0: Good morning, church. It's good to see everyone here today. Um, If you've been with us for a little while, at least, you'll know that we've been going through the book of Mark and looking at what we called or titled The Way, in which we are exploring how Jesus is teaching his followers to follow him. What does it mean like to, or what does it mean to look like a follower of Jesus? Um, In preparation for this message, I shared with my life group that I had about an hour's worth of content, and I needed prayer to boil it down, because as you have seen, we have a couple other service elements, and I needed to truncate it to about 20 minutes. Uh, I was informed, or was suggested rather, that I actually didn't need to eliminate any of the content so long as I could talk three times faster than I normally do. As much as I enjoy listening to audiobooks at twice or three times the speed, I'm not going to do that to you today, but bear in mind that there is a lot to unpack, although there's only a few verses. Our passage today is in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. You can turn there now and follow along, where we'll see the disciples who are continuing to think that they've been with Jesus long enough to know the ropes, so to speak, They've been uh, behind the scenes, you know, getting VIP access to Jesus and his exclusive teachings uh, that he only saves for them. So, of course, they know how to call the shots by now, don't they? We'll see that at least when it comes to how they view Jesus' ministry in light of children, that they may have missed the mark. That actually, Jesus has a message... Uh, For us that ties in with our core value of healthy relationships, and we'll see that at least in part a healthy relationship between us and God involves a few things. It involves us coming to God Helpless yet hopeful it involves us coming to God coming uh, trusting and dependent and coming to God for affection And blessing. Let's pray and then we'll jump into our text. Heavenly Father, um, you're a holy God and you love us dearly, intimately. May we come to you today like children in need of their father, in awe and in love, in need of your affection and putting our trust in you the concept of the Dunning-Kruger effect is based on a paper done in 1999, which psychologists David Dunning and Justin Kruger tested participants in a few categories. There was logic, grammar, sense of humor. And what they found is that people who performed on the bottom quartile rated their skills far above average. Graphically, it might look something like this. So these would be the people who uh, rated themselves pretty high, however, tested pretty low. And uh, what might this graph look like if um, we were to look at it practically? It basically means that someone who knows a little might feel very confident in what they know until they know a little bit more. They, They grow in knowledge and then they realize, I actually don't know as much as I thought I knew. And their confidence, Uh, begins to to fail them. Take that even further, when they begin to know more and become an expert, they they get more confident, but they know their limitations as well. Practically, this might look like uh, someone in a group who um, is most likely to speak even though they know very little about what they're talking about. Um, Whereas the wise leader in that group might not speak up as often, because they know the delicate intricacies about what they're talking about. It can also be seen in large shared skills, like driving. Right? Uh, There was a poll done in America that showed 93% of people in America think that they're better drivers than others. 93%. We We can't all be better at something. But we all can overestimate our abilities. The disciples in this passage are overestimating their abilities. They're falling in line with the Dunning-Kruger effect. They have spent just enough time with Jesus to feel confident in their ability to scaffold his ministry, but they speak up too soon. And we'll see it in verse 13 and 14. Take a look at it with me. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when, they, when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me, do not hinder them for such belongs the kingdom of God. So parents and families here are bringing their children to Jesus. The disciples rebuke the parents and then Jesus rebukes the disciples. The disciples feeling pretty confident in what Jesus's ministry needs, they speak up quickly. Can you imagine what it must have felt like for these families to bring their children to go on this long trek to meet Jesus? It wasn't uncommon for people of this time to bring their children to the great teachers, the rabbis of the day, so that they could be blessed. And they were so close to getting the special blessing, and it's ripped away from them. It's like the rug swept out from under their feet. Have you ever experienced something like that? When I was in middle school, we had these scholastic competitions that always hyped us up, and they would set up the gym with all these cool prizes, lots of loud music, and a charismatic speaker. And this one year, I was hooked, because in front of all of of these fantastic prizes was one that had my eye, and it was the original Xbox. For those who don't know, uh, this console did a lot for online gaming, and it promised uh, leading-edge graphics and games for the time. So I don't remember much of what was said that day, but I knew leaving that I had to do one thing, sell as many magazines as I could, and I was gonna get that Xbox. So that's what I did. And as I was selling, and as my mom was helping me sell, and as my church was helping me sell, I just grew in that anticipation, looking for that reward. And I just knew it was only a matter of time before I was gonna get that Xbox, until that day come and I fell terribly short. Not even close to receiving that prize. I felt like the the rug was swept out from under me because I was growing in anticipation. I was so close I I could just see it happening. Have you had an experience where you've gotten so close to something that you could almost taste it? That's what the families must have felt like here. They're approaching Jesus for this blessing and the disciples sweep out from under their feet a no. You can imagine what they might be thinking I can't wait for this man to to bless my child. I've heard so many things about this Jesus. Honestly, I think he's the Messiah. This is going to be such a great day for our family. Only to have the door shut in their face. Imagine their pain and their confusion. Wait, I thought this was it. I thought that this was going to be the day that this Great man blessed our children. But if these disciples who have been walking so closely with this teacher are telling no to us, they must be right. I guess we got to go home. When Jesus saw the disciples fussing at these families for bringing their children to him, he becomes indignant. You catch that word? This is important because it's the only time we read in Scripture that Jesus is described this way as indignant. His righteous anger is aroused at his very own followers and he publicly rebukes them. Uh, In his commentary, James Edwards says this, the object of a person's indignation reveals a great deal about that person. And Jesus' displeasure here reveals his compassion and defense for the helpless, the vulnerable, the powerless. The disciples in this moment at best viewed that these children were an annoyance, just uh, a distraction to Jesus' ministry. Or at worst, they believed in what their culture believed, that these children were merely objects and could be tossed aside. Either way, their attitude is a little concerning, considering just a chapter ago, in Mark 9, Jesus taught them to receive children in his name and to be careful not to have any of them stumble. So instead of being annoyed, Jesus is affirming that children are worth his time and that they should be worth our time. There are several ways that we can do this in our life. We can disciple our children in a Bible-saturated home. We can um, evangelize them in a gospel-saturated home. We can pray with them in a prayer-saturated home. And we can encourage and bless them and challenge them to grow in the ways of the Lord. And we must, in order for them to hold true to a Christ-intoxicated life and allow them room to live the way that Jesus asks them to, to make him a natural part of the ebb and flow of his life. The good news about this passage is that Jesus not only accepts children, but he uses them as a shining example of faith. Look at this verse with me in, um, in verse 15. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God is uh, like a child, shall not enter it. So, more than just letting the children come to him, he points to them as an example. It's as if he's saying to his disciples, Hey, guys, um, why don't you come over here and watch these kids? You could learn something about how to enter the kingdom of God. How often do we tell our children to behave like adults? And here Jesus is telling his adults to behave like children. There's something about a child that Jesus seems to think is essential for entering the kingdom of God. I'll give you a hint, it's not their innocence. Any parent or teacher will tell you that children are not that innocent. Um, I need only look in the walls of my house to prove this to be true. I couldn't count every telling look that my son gives me when he knows he shouldn't be doing the thing that he's doing. This is why we teach manners. This is why we teach kind behavior, why we teach not to hit, not to bite, um, how to use words when we're angry. The list goes on. It's not because of their innocence. So there's something else about children. There's something to the notion that Jesus is trying to get here for us. Jesus is telling adults, his disciples specifically, the people following him, to model themselves after children in, uh, in trusting and in uh, being dependent. in having a humble, dependent heart with others and having a trusting heart in relationship. You see, children love much, but they know little. They live by faith, trusting others to care for them. And this is how we must live. By faith, trusting in Jesus Christ to care for our eternal well-being. And we're not able to walk our own way into the kingdom of heaven. We can't do enough. We can't have enough. We're utterly helpless, right? Unable to save ourselves. So we must depend on the mercy and grace of God. So... Act like a child. What does a child do when they're hurt? They run to mom and dad. We too must run to our father in heaven. And while doing so, we trust and depend on him. These children in our story are at the mercy of everyone around them. Probably they wouldn't be here unless their parents dragged them there. And they're about to be turned away because of who? other adults, other authority figures in their life. They're completely trusting and dependent on the adults in their life to guide and direct their paths. And they come to Jesus completely, utterly trusting and dependent on him and at his mercy. And they come for his affection and his blessing. Look with me at how Jesus takes care of these children, how he receives them. In verse 16, And he took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying hands on them. Simple and sweet, but so profound. Isn't that an amazing picture that the God of the universe is wrapping his arms, accepting, loving, caring for those who have absolutely nothing to give them. These kids have nothing to give back to Jesus. All they bring is their neediness. How many of us can relate to this? How often do we come to God with something instead of coming to our Heavenly Father because you need Him? When looking at my sons, I don't feel less loving because they need me. It's because of my love that I'm driven to them in the middle of their neediness. How often do we come to God just trying to look like the perfect Christian that has it all put together? God, look at the things that I've done for you. Pat me on the back. Just trying to look like a capable Christian. But what if you came to God just needing to be held? Would that be okay? What if your prayer time this morning was filled with tears? And you shouted, Father, I just desperately need you right now. According to verse 16, he might take you into his arms. He might just bless you. If that's you today, I want to encourage you that God not only can take our neediness, he actually requires it. I don't think it's a coincidence that this passage is bookended by the teaching of Jesus on divorce and the teaching of Jesus on material possessions. In the former, you can make a direct line to Jesus' love and the defense here for children to his unyielding contention for the union of marriage. And then in the latter, we see a contrast between children who readily accept their neediness to a rich young ruler who believes he has all that he needs and then is in despair when asked to give it up. Let's go back for a second to the Dunning Kruger effect. <clears throat> Where are you on this graph today? Are you confident in your abilities? You feel like you've got it all figured out? Things are going well? Maybe you have all you need and uh, you don't need, or there isn't room for a savior. Or maybe you've gotten a little bit farther down here and you're beginning to realize that you haven't figured out as much as you thought you figured out, can I encourage you that that's okay? If you're right here. If you feel like I just, I don't have this figured out, that's okay. And I would encourage you to to think about this. You might actually be exactly where God wants you to be. In that sweet childlike spot of dependence on him because when you're at that spot, there's nothing left for you to do but trust and depend on God. I made a few alterations to this graph, though, because in the Christian life, if you get back to I'm pretty good, you might not have really gotten it. So I made a few alterations to this. Instead of growing in knowledge, I contend that we might want to grow in neediness. And as we grow in neediness we begin to think well maybe I'm not so great and maybe I don't know that much and your confidence will rise but not because you believe that you're great but because you believe in a great God a God that can hold you and take your neediness you cling to him because he's great and because of him your confidence can rise again the thing that children have that we need to learn from is a keen awareness Of their neediness. So let's start becoming a little bit more like an expert in neediness. Learning more and more how to lean into our Heavenly Father. And if you don't see your need for help, your need for a Savior, you're not going to seek Jesus Christ. It's not until your eyes are opened into into your severe lack that you realize how necessary Jesus was. And how necessary he is even today. Jesus was baptized by God, or uh, was baptized, and then God the Father said to him, You are my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. And then, in the middle of his ministry, kind of where we're at now, Jesus is gathering these children, showering them with affection and a blessing and an affirmation to all of the sons and daughters brought to him. And then just a few chapters later, we're going to see Jesus on the cross where he'll cry out to that same father who said that you are my beloved son and I'm well pleased. He's going to cry out to that father and say, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is made on the cross to be like one who is forsaken so that all who come to him would not be forsaken. Jesus wants you to come to him today. And I don't mean the proverbial you, I mean specifically you, sitting right here in your seat, or you watching online. Jesus wants you right now to come to him. As you ponder that, I want you to go away with this big idea. Doesn't look like it's going to come up on the screen, but the big idea for today is that Jesus lovingly calls us to be like children, trusting and dependent on Him. Will you trust and depend on Him and Him alone? Let's pray. Father, Abba, we come to you helpless, we come to you hopeful, trusting in you, dependent on you. Lord, we're in need of your, of your affection, of your love, and of your blessing. Would you help us to grow in dependence of you, Lord? And in all things, may we decrease and you increase. In Jesus' name, amen.